House Style Written by Soft October and read by Literarian Chapter 5 In an office of the twelfth floor of the Celestial Publishing Building, which had a good enough view to impress visitors, but was not enough for his own ambitions, two hours after everyone else had gone home, Gabriel fired off yet another text to his subordinate, although he feared that this too would go unanswered as those gone before it. He allowed himself exactly one minute to fume. He'd read in a book on leadership as a young man that this was the length of time a good manager should grant to the expression of his more base emotions, and tapped his pen in an irritated tattoo along his desk calendar. Aziraphale had the wrong folder. To be fair, Aziraphale had the wrong folder specifically because Gabriel had handed him the wrong folder, but that was just semantics. The real problem was that this kept happening. How? He had double and triple checked the contents of each. He had clearly marked which folder was not to be given to Aziraphale and left the presentation folder unblemished. How could he have gotten it wrong? Unless... Could there be subterfuge in his office? No, that was impossible. Only he and Sandalfon had been in all day. Sandalfon sabotaged him. How ridiculous! Gabriel gave a sensible chuckle at his own joke. That yes-man would ride his coattails all the way to the top if he could. Gabriel sighed. He had been working too much. Look at his complexion, after all. All those dark spots under his eyes were quite unbecoming. And there had been so much excitement after her secretary had called down and made the invitation to the golf outing over the weekend. Unless the rough gentleman who came to collect the mail had something to do with it, and the very idea that man would even know what he was looking at, well, Gabriel laughed to himself again. As unlikely as it seemed, Gabriel somehow got his folders mixed up in all the hubbub and accidentally gave Aziraphale the one that was supposed to go to an agent he had been in talks with. Now the folder for the report sat on his desk, Aziraphale was long gone from the office, and there was no way Gabriel would be able to concentrate on his golf game with this hanging over his head. There was nothing for it. He would just have to drive over to Aziraphale's apartment, no, his flat, and make the exchange himself. As he led Crowley up the thin staircase to his flat above, Aziraphale was particularly aware of his body. 
In all the similar trips he had made during the five years he had lived there, he had never before reflected on the way his hand slid sensuously along the chipped paint banister, the delicate tread of his feet on each creaky step. Of course, it had been rather a long time since he also felt the sensation of another's eyes on his back, watching him go up. Here we are, he said, perhaps too brightly, and after a moment of the two of them dripping all over his welcome mat while he fumbled with the keys, Aziraphale opened the door. A warm slice of light spilled across his sitting room, illuminating the remains of his hastily consumed breakfast on the coffee table, the piles of books littering every surface, a dozen or so cups of tea left to languish about the room. A sense of shame took root in his chest, and he hesitated to flick on the lights. So sorry about... Well, I'm usually a bit tidier. This was a lie, and by the manner in which Crowley scoffed at him, Aziraphale could tell it wasn't even a very good one. Crowley had seen his office many a time before, after all. But he couldn't very well leave them in the dark all evening, so on the lights came and Aziraphale tried not to watch Crowley's face as he took his first look around. Inside Aziraphale's heart warred two conflicting desires. The want to be extravagant and impressive, and the need to be seen, to be accepted as he was. It's like your office, isn't it? Crowley asked after a cursory inventory of the accommodations. What do you mean? It's very you. He shrugged, in the way Aziraphale noticed he often did when he had much more to say and lacked the words. I like it. He paused. I appreciate there are no plants you might be torturing with overwatering. With that... Aziraphale laughed, Crowley grinned, and the warring desires in his heart signed a ceasefire and broke bread together. Aziraphale insisted on giving Crowley the grand tour. This took five minutes, as the entire flat consisted of nothing but the sitting room that also served as a dining room, the cramped kitchen, the bathroom, and... He hesitated before the last, but if he didn't show it off, it would be strange, wouldn't it? Might mean something if he didn't. The bedroom, where his bedclothes were still must from tossing and turning about in the night. He turned to make some sort of a joke that would surely come to him any moment, when he noticed that despite his smiles and polite nods, Crowley was trying very hard not to make his shivering in his wet clothes obvious, and Aziraphale was reminded of their lunch on the rooftop. Oh, my dear, I'm sorry. Let's get those things off right away. Let's what? The, well, your clothes. Crowley arched an eyebrow at him. They're, you're shivering. You should... 
Well, the bathroom is right there. You can... And I can... I mean, I'm sure I have something of mine here that will fit you. He turned immediately to his closet in an honest bid to find something for Crowley to wear, as much as it was to hide the blush spreading across his face. Something of mine that will fit you turned out to be a flannel robe with a red and white checked pattern that Aziraphale only used around Christmas time. Aziraphale handed it to him with mention of just at least until your clothes dry properly, and Crowley took it with a short thanks before vanishing into the bathroom. I'm afraid I'm not a very good cook, Aziraphale called through the bathroom door after he emerged from the bedroom in a robe of his own, tartan, of course. He was trying very hard not to think about many things, so he fiddled with drawers, looking for takeaway menus, as if different sorts of curries might distract him from... What about a book? Crowley called. The tap was going. Crowley must not have heard him correctly. I said I'm not a very good cook. No, not lately, although the one anathema I was editing the other day wasn't half bad till she caught me flipping through it. That's not what I... Aziraphale huffed affectionately. That's... All the breath went out of Aziraphale as Crowley emerged from the bathroom. The robe did not fit him well at all, and he wound the belt twice around his waist. His hair was slicked back from his face, his glasses were off, and his eyes were wide, unguarded. Aziraphale might even say nervous. It was the smallest Crowley had ever seemed, and Aziraphale found a new and strange sort of protectiveness welling up inside him. But Crowley caught Aziraphale staring and twirled around, as if putting on a show. Something here you fancy? Maybe. Aziraphale replied with a half-smile, just to see the other fluster. But I'm afraid I've no idea what to do about it. About what? Dinner! Aziraphale found several menus he'd found around the kitchen. Crowley exhaled and smiled. Ah, dinner, of course. I would like to cook for you, well, I mean for us, but I don't have much in the way of ingredients, more of a baker than a chef, so I, well, I suppose we could get takeaway. Nonsense, I saw plenty of shelves over in the kitchen. Anything in the fridge? Oh, I couldn't ask you to. Well, then it's a good thing you didn't ask, isn't it? Offered, didn't I? Crowley grinned, and Aziraphale stood aside. He could tell a losing argument when he saw one. I mean, if you insist, spices are in the cabinet above the stove. Crowley stepped into the kitchen and set about making himself quite at home 
exploring drawers and cabinets. He was half buried in the fridge when he let out a victorious sort of cry and emerged with his trophy in hand. A rather fancy cheese Aziraphale got for a dinner party he planned over the summer and never threw. Shall we indulge? Crowley asked. Aziraphale considered for a moment. Well, it wouldn't be right without wine, would it? No, I suppose it wouldn't. Good thing for us there's plenty in the rack in the other room. Oh, yes, rather a good thing. Crowley cut up the cheese and a nice soppressata he had found in further excavations of the refrigerator. Aziraphale found a fancy crystal decanter in the hall closet. He had been gifted it three Christmases past and never used. Within ten minutes, they were chatting over charcuterie and sipping wine, while Crowley stirred something rather divine-smelling in a saucepan and pasta bubbled away in a pot beside it. I didn't, Aziraphale began, indicating the stove, before reconsidering his wording. You're a man of many talents, I see, he said instead, and when that smile spread over Crowley's face, he knew he had hit the mark right. Oh, it's nothing like that, Crowley said, in a manner which implied he was fairly preening with the compliment. I've had a bunch of different jobs. Programming, childcare, food service. Cooking is like riding a... Mm, you know the one, wheelie thing. He shook his head, but the word would not be dislodged, so he gave up the game and went back to tending dinner like a sorcier at a five-star restaurant. This is delicious, Crowley, Aziraphale said after the first bite. The table was set with the nicest dishes he had, and they still paled in comparison to the quality of the food on them. It's just sautéed garlic and brown butter sauce over pasta. It's nothing. Oh, no, no, none of this false modesty. Don't know what you're doing. Skills like that, typing away at a computer all day. A real loss to the culinary world, am I? I should say so. I'd also say you were trained by a professional. You've caught me. I'm undercover with a secret society of chefs. We've infiltrated every corner of the publishing industry. It won't be long before our great plans come to fruition. Oh, and what plans are these, then? Crowley shrugged. Not my department, I'm afraid. I'm more of a foot soldier of the coming cookbook apocalypse than a general. Well, be sure to have mercy on my department when you seize the reins of power. Dinner stretched on somewhat longer than Aziraphale thought it might. He was having so much fun that he hardly cared that they ran clean through the first bottle of wine and were obliged to start on a second. Crowley finally grabbed some dishes and insisted he would clean. He had an idea for a fancy little dessert and wanted the kitchen to himself for a few minutes. 
Aziraphale followed him to hem and haw about cleaning. He didn't actually want to do the dishes, but it was more polite to make a good show of it, until Crowley successfully shooed him out the door. Back in the sitting room, he crashed down rather roughly upon the sofa, the wine in his glass sloshing over the sides and almost spilling all over the cushions. And for some reason, he found this so funny, he giggled. Giggled like he was 15 years old and the boy he liked had just asked him if they could go to a movie together. He stopped that train of thought, because remembering being young and being excited a boy had asked another boy to the movies was an express line to a rather unhappy state of mind. He thought instead of Crowley, who he last saw taking chocolate out of the cabinet. Crowley, who had made him dinner, was cleaning their dishes, was probably up to his elbows in suds. Crowley was preparing a final course, and Haziraphale should perhaps find a nice port to conclude their meal. Yes, he would pour the small glasses of port, taking care that they were equal and nicely placed. He'd refold the napkins, rearrange the table, make it look just so. And then Crowley would come out of the kitchen with his hands full of some dessert he had made especially for him, and his hands would be full and he would say, Oh, let me help you with that, darling. And Crowley's bottom lip would drop open just slightly, and then Aziraphale was going to do it. He was going to lean in, close his eyes and kiss Crowley and just see what happened after. Yes, he was absolutely going to do that and damn whatever got in the way. So of course that was when the doorbell rang. Aziraphale stumbled off the sofa and shuffled towards the door, thinking about how funny it was that the alcohol never quite hit when you were sitting, but the minute you stood up, well, that was another matter entirely. When the door was thrown open, the white smile that Aziraphale held for the salesman or misplaced food delivery person fell instantly, because instead of some innocuous stranger, he found himself face to face with... Gabriel? Aziraphale! Gabriel had his hand extended, but when no reciprocal shake came to meet it, he withdrew. So glad you're home. Sure you would be. I tried texting, but then I thought, well, he's on the way and of course he'll be home. What? Why are you? Bit of a mix-up with the folders again, I'm afraid. Don't know how that keeps happening, but, well, no harm done, right? He brandished a manila folder identical to the one he had given Aziraphale earlier, except that this one had BOOK written in large block letters on the front. I tried to get a hold of you before everyone headed out, but you know how dedicated you are to leaving on time. 
So I figured I would just drive the updated version over myself, help out a bit of the company's time. That's... that's very... Oh, and I was also wondering if the department got those shirts I ordered for the soccer... Oh, sorry, for the company football game next month. He actually used finger quotes, and Azira fell hard to stifle another giggle. They were meant to arrive today. I'll tell you, this year is the year we take down those guys from accounting. Gabriel, I thought you were going... It was at this exact moment that Crowley emerged from the kitchen, holding two glasses of what looked suspiciously like a rather decadent chocolate mousse covered in whipped cream that, despite the absurdity of the whole situation, had Aziraphale's mouth watering. Crowley had a spot of chocolate on the side of his mouth, evidence he had tasted the dessert before setting it out, and Aziraphale wanted to know what it would taste like if he... Yeah, yeah, I'm due to leave tomorrow morning. When it became clear Aziraphale wouldn't be taking the folder from him, Gabriel stepped through the door to put the folder on the table himself. I'll be driving up, of course. I swear, sometimes you Brits act like two hours in a car. Oh, hello, Mr. Crowley. Might as well be some sort of cruel and unusual punishment. Ha <laughs> He laughed, and then froze as realization dawned with creeping horror. Mr. Crowley? Yes. Crowley glanced up from where he set Aziraphale's dessert down. Why, I... what's the meaning of... Is he joining us for dessert? Crowley drawled to Aziraphale. I've got to whip up some more cream if he is. Uh, I'm sure Gabriel would just prefer coffee, isn't that right? Aziraphale answered. He had a vague memory of Gabriel loudly decrying the perils of sugar at a team-building event, and coffee was what those Americans wanted at every hour of the day or night, right? Gabriel wasn't helping, what with the way he kept opening and closing his mouth like a fish on a hot dock. The night he had envisioned lying in ruins... Aziraphale could now see two very different paths lying before him. In the first, he disavowed whatever this looked like, assuaged Gabriel and spent a miserable night alone after Crowley begged off the moment he could, but in the other? Well... Seeing Gabriel squirm really was too delightful to pass up, wasn't it? Where is it? Crowley asked. The what? The coffee. Oh, well, I'll get it. You just... He manoeuvred Gabriel to an empty seat at the table and vanished into the kitchen. Crowley sat with his arms crossed, staring at Gabriel, his hand clasped around his glass of port without ever coming to his lips. Next time... Gabriel began, and then stopped to collect his thoughts. I shall probably call first next time.
Yes, said Crowley. Do that next time. I just... I didn't think anyone would be here, especially not... The more aware of his surroundings Gabriel became, the more his brows drew together in the centre. Aziraphale, this is Mr. Crowley, in your apartment. Is it? Aziraphale cooled from the kitchen around a swallowed laugh. I was wondering why he looked so familiar. It's called a flat, Crowley added. You and Aziraphale! Suddenly shocked into action, Gabriel rose from the table as quickly as he had been sat down. Aziraphale, you were supposed to watch him! Oh, he did, agreed Crowley with a smirk. Rather closely, I might add. I meant to watch out for him. He's going to ruin the apartment, Aziraphale. Don't you care for that at all? Well, well, of course I care about the department. But Crowley isn't planning on destroying anything, are you, darling? You can't trust him, Aziraphale. He's, he's an outsider. That's not a nice thing to call someone, Crowley interjected. Indeed, Gabriel, I've always considered you the picture of professionalism, and now this? Aziraphale emerged from the kitchen and turned to Crowley, his face drawn and comically stern. We should settle this once and for all. Crowley, are you or are you not planning on destroying the editing department? I hadn't thought about it. Crowley mused. Why, would you like me to? Oh, of course not. Aziraphale turned back to Gabriel. See, he's totally, completely innocent. So there it is. He threw up his hands. No problems here. This is a, a conflict of interest. Gabriel squawked, harping on a new line of questioning, since the other seemed to have gotten so out of his hands. The company clearly states that... The company states that it has no policy against the private lives of employees and independent contractors. Crowley finished. I... well, I checked. He added, almost apologetically... Aziraphale blinked at him, and now Crowley wouldn't meet his eyes. Crowley had checked if there was a policy in place for... things, for potential things between employees, and... Crowley had checked! This wasn't the hot cocoa, the beautiful tropical fish, the waiting for him to be done with work on the off chance they would have dinner together. This wasn't empty beds and blithe promises. This was... I'll, I'll take this to the top. Gabriel derailed Aziraphale's thoughts like a drunken engineer. I'm sure she'll have something to say about it. Her. Aziraphale cringed to remember that he had forgotten all about her.
What would she say? What would she... But Crowley was... Crowley was laughing. <laughs> Go ahead. She'll probably give you a raise just for being the messenger. The messenger? What do you mean? What message? Gabriel was of the particular breed of person who expected invoking the name of the powers above would give him his way. This would happen, if not instantly, as quickly as the scrambling employees which had so displeased him could muster. To be laughed at, well, that was the intolerable cherry on the very weird Sunday of the entire evening. And he was going to have very strong words just as soon as this Mr. Crowley stopped chuckling and told him... <laughs> For, for telling her the happy news. My mother's been trying to get me to, oh, what does she call it, settle down with a nice man for ages. <laughs> Crowley was oblivious to the stunned silence that followed this startling proclamation and continued, <laughs> Hell, forget a race. She'll make you vice president. Mother! Gabriel and Aziraphale shouted almost in unison, snapping out of their shared paralysis. Gabriel was practically backing away towards the door as his mind struggled to cope and catalogue such revelatory information. Estranged. Crowley waved his hands in front of him. He rose and took a few steps away from the table. You know the old story. Two different people. I asked too many questions. She told me it was her way or, well, my own way, I suppose. Fell out of touch uh, decades ago. When no response was forthcoming, he continued, More fool me. I thought not speaking for twenty or so years would somehow kill all that talk about settling down and adopting grandbabies, but wouldn't you know it, the moment she asked for my help with the program, she was talking about some flat she had seen for sale that was perfect for a family within the same breath. Gabriel's back hit the door. This has been... Well, I don't really know what this has been, Gabriel said, his hand scrambling for the doorknob behind him. Aziraphale, the report. Well, you know what, since I'll be heading home anyway. He snatched the folder from where he had carelessly set it down upon his arrival. I'll just take care of it. Myself, maybe take the train up tomorrow and work on it. You seem busy. I'm sure you have pressing matters to um, work out with, you know, with her son. With an awkward salute, Americans were always saluting, weren't they? Gabriel finally threw the door open, slammed it after him and clattered down the stairs without a shred of the grace or poise he usually possessed. Aziraphale and Crowley stared after him and sank down onto the couch as one 
quite at a loss as to what on earth to say to each other until... Bikes! Crowley exclaimed. What? That's what cooking is like, riding a bike. You never forget. Ah, Aziraphale said, not sure how to segue into what really needed discussing. Hmm, best to come right out with it. So, mother, as in she's your, you know, mother. Crowley groaned. Ugh, look, I knew it would come up eventually, but... He scratched the back of his head. I am sorry I didn't tell you sooner. I just didn't want anything to be... You know, people get strange, boss's son and all. And I get it, I do. So if it bothers you, then... Crowley was running away with suppositions in his own head again, and Aziraphale was all too willing to throw him a line before he drifted too far. No, no, it doesn't bother me at all. It's only that... Only? Well, only it's the first piece of gossip I've ever had before, Michael, and I'm not quite sure how to feel about all this power... Crowley exhaled, visibly relieved. You won't... you won't go telling everyone. Not on your life. Thanks. Me and her, we haven't... We never really fixed what was wrong. We just sort of tolerate each other now, I suppose. I'm sorry to hear it. I'll be even sorrier if we spend the rest of the night talking about my mother. Ah, of course, I apologize. Shall we talk about Gabriel instead? No, that's really more of a lateral move. Though I don't suppose he'll make life any easier for you on Monday. Who, Gabriel? Oh, I'm sure he'd already heard something about it. This was just confirmation. Already... already heard what? Oh, you didn't know? We're already off the top of the office gossip chain. Michael says we're the talk of the company, though of course she made a point of how we've nothing to show for it, not like her and her mysterious mailroom man. Aziraphale froze. Crowley was pressing his wrist ever so gently, like he expected to be thrown off at any moment. Do you... Crowley swallowed. I mean, would you like something to show for it? A noise somewhere between a hysterical giggle and a war cry was strangled in Aziraphale's throat before it could reach his lips. Well, I... I certainly wouldn't be opposed to it. Crowley drew his hand back to pass it over his face, and Aziraphale's skin mourned the loss of contact. Ain't Aziraphale, you're killing me. What did you just say? Aziraphale, you're killing me. No, the other thing, the thing you almost said. Nothing. I didn't say... 
Yes, you did. You said Ain and then changed it to Aziraphale. You were doing that all this week and the one before that. No, I wasn't. You were. Haven't forgotten my name already, have you? Of course not, but... Well, then you can best own up to it or I'm liable to become terribly offended and then... Angel. Crowley finally groaned into his hands. I almost called you Angel, all right? Because you've got the hair and those blue eyes and the way the light shines on you when you're sitting in your office sometimes, I swear it looks like a halo and I'm sorry if you catch me sometimes, I just... He choked back something like a sigh when Aziraphale laced their fingers together. Well, that's good, Aziraphale said very slowly. Good? Crowley's eyes were laser-focused on their intertwined hands. Yes, dear. If you had let me finish, I was going to say I was liable to become terribly offended and do something drastic. And what would be drastic enough for you right now, Angel? Something like this. And then Aziraphale made good on the promise he made to himself down on the pavement, the promise and the wine and the home-cooked dinner and the hot cocos and the almost calling him angel and the countless my dears. He allowed his free hand to trail up Crowley's arm, rest against his cheek. For someone who was always so cold, Crowley's skin was warm and his eyes shone like gold as they flitted between Aziraphale's eyes and his lips. Then Aziraphale closed his eyes, leaned forward and kissed him. Aziraphale was a man who had known his share of first kisses. Some had been electrifying, many had been quite terrible, and one or two had even been nice. But never before had his partner's breath gently hitched in his throat as their lips met. Never had a pair of hands as ravenous to touch as they were careful buried themselves in the lapels of a tartan robe to pull them closer together. Now one of Crowley's hands was sliding along Aziraphale's jawline, twirling fingers in his hair. Aziraphale's mouth was opening under his, and then... Crowley was pulling back, his eyes bright, lips slightly swollen. We've had a bit to drink tonight, he began, but Aziraphale put a finger to his lips. That's got nothing to do with it. I decided I was going to try and kiss you the moment you stepped out of Newt's ridiculous car. Oh. And I wanted to kiss you for a while before that, too. Oh. Yes. So if you'd like to, we can resume at any... 
the next kiss was placed softly on Aziraphale's throat, and he sighed with bliss. It was dark before Aziraphale could think coherently again. There were some things he really should clear up before this went any further than... Well, at least any further than it already had. Crowley? Hmm? I hope you know this isn't just a... If you're expecting some sort of temporary or fly-by-night arrangement, I... Don't be ridiculous, Crowley chided. I learned your drink order the second day I was in the office. I should be the one telling you that this isn't... Isn't what? Isn't a... I don't envision this as a temporary or fly-by-night thing, if that's what you're getting at. Don't even know where you pick up a term like that, fly-by-night. You mean you'd like to keep... If you'd like to... And about other people, I'd rather not... There are no other people, Angel. Just you. Oh, it's the same for me. That's good. That's good. Crowley rested his head against Aziraphale's. Aziraphale listened to the sound of his breathing. It had the same rhythm as the ticking of the clock on his mantle. Crowley? Yeah? If this doesn't work out, between us, I mean, not that I'm thinking about that, but your mother, she won't... Fire you? Nah, she'll probably buy you a gift basket and call you a poor darling. Ring me to ask how I mucked it up this time. You won't. Won't what? Muck it up this time. Crowley clicked his tongue. You don't know that, Angel. Certainly I do. Got a sixth sense about these sort of things, do you? A right anathema you are. It's not that. Well, what is it? Michael told me you were staring at me the first day you arrived at the office and has been trying to get us to go out together for weeks. If she didn't think you were worth it, she'd have scared you off ages ago. Is that right? Should have seen the last man who tried to get my number. Thought he was going to cry by the time she was finished with him. Oh, well, as long as I have Michael's approval. Crowley placed a few more kisses along his shoulder. But there was more, and Aziraphale waited for Crowley to find the words. Aziraphale? Yes? Can we please stop talking about my mother and Michael and Anathema? I'd also like to stop any and all further discussion of Mr. Young, Newt, and anyone else. In the darkness, Aziraphale laughed. <laughs> yes, dear, 
Of course we can.